Hello, welcome to podcast three in the Who'd Have Thought That About Drought series. I'm Dr Rebecca Pierce, and if you've been following us so far, I've been talking about droughts with lots of different people, and I for one have found in every conversation something quite new and interesting to talk about. I think after all the conversations I've recorded for the Historic Drought Oral History Collection, I know quite a lot about how we talk about droughts, But what about you, the listener? Are you responsible for drought communication? Have you ever had to try and organise a water saving campaign? Have you ever wondered what it's like to be on the front line communicating with water users when reserves run critically low? Here's Martin recalling his experiences working for the South West Water Authority in 1976. You can try your very best and you, the first stage in a, in a water supply emergency is to put out lots of media campaigns. And um, South West Water started doing that, but it had no real political support from any of its predecessor local authorities. It, it had a very, very unfortunate reactive relationship with media. So it never put out any good news, it never put out any positive news. It just hid in its bunker, and when someone said something nasty about it, it didn't react. So it didn't really have a relationship with local uh, political representatives to any great degree. It didn't have it with the media. And so when it started putting out stuff, saying things are getting tight, we've got to save water, there's a mixture of some people listening and saying, oh yeah, I can understand there's a problem, to other people saying this is a joke. To other people saying if they want us to save water they've got another thing coming and interestingly a lot of the visitors who came down said I've paid for my holiday I'm going to have as much water as I like in my two-week holiday and so long as there's still some water there when I go that's it it doesn't matter I've had my holiday so you had this big um, set of conflicting responses coming back and most people were angry that the authority had let them down Hadn't, they didn't have a system to cope with a drought of this severity. Mm. But they felt the authority should have, but the authority hadn't had the money, hadn't had the time to invest mm. in anything. Does that sound familiar? I think that could be a fair description of the relationship between water suppliers and water users in any drought. In episode two, we explored some of the ways people coped with water rationing in 1976. Let's hear some more from Martin. People did their best to eke out new supplies or alternative supplies and reduce these um, compensation flows that were in the rivers. Mm. So everything was done to try and keep as much water available as possible. Mm. I did meet a couple in Sorkham who were making prodigious efforts to save water and they were both in their 70s and they'd, they'd, they'd taken their little allowance of water for the day which they'd decided on, which was something like two kettles of water. And they'd managed to use that in a combination of cooking and then dishwashing and then personal washing and then lastly putting it on the garden to try Mm. and keep the vegetables alive. And I thought, this is extraordinary. These are people who've taken the message on and interpreted it in in their own way from their recollections of what it was like to be really short of things during the war Mm, mm. and they've applied their moral code 
yeah. to using almost no water at all. Mm. And then you'd see some massive great house a bit further down the road with people splashing around the swimming pool. And you think the business of getting a big set, um, big different social group to behave in one way isn't possible. Mm. Mm. You can impose, you can dictate, you can shut things off, you can do everything you want, but unless people agree with you, it won't happen. The split between people who do their bit, those who don't, and quite frankly those who complain, is definitely evident in the local news reporting of the time. I think it is fair to say that the Water Authority was criticised and reports of the criticism were aired, but the papers did not directly accuse the Water Authority of mismanagement. They let others do that via the letters pages. Now, here's Martin recalling a drought in the 1980s. Had anything changed by then, I wonder? But there was one interesting appeal we put out in the 1983 drought, mm. and that was carried by the radio companies and so on. And um, we got a phone call from a chap from Bodmin, and he said, I heard your, heard your appeal on the ra radio to save water. I just want to let you know that I'm off on holiday for two weeks mm -hmm. and I'm locking up the house but mm -hmm. I've left all my taps on and I hope you run out of water and then he put the phone down Really? and I, I said this is magic we're actually getting a public response okay. the, the, the fact that it's 180 degrees different to the one we wanted mm -hmm. we have to put on one side mm -hmm. someone has actually bothered to get in touch with us yes they are communicating so, oh. so you know, from planet headquarters to the real world, mm. there was some beginnings of some interaction. Mm. Well, who'd have thought someone would be so cross with their water authority that they would deliberately try to waste as much water as possible? And who'd have thought that Martin would be so pleased to receive his call? But how difficult is it for people to receive and accept directions from planet headquarters? And are there better ways of communicating with people when we were in a tight spot? On another planet in another time, Yorkshire Water in 1995 to be precise, Jeff was busy trying to get different departments within the company to share information relating to the looming water shortage in the Halifax area. Um, you, you mentioned cultural change. Um, looking back, the change from being um, a, a, an authority to a company probably took 15 years. The culture, even in the mid-90s, when, when was privatisation? 89, I think. Uh, somewhere around there, anyway. Uh, in the mid-90s, the, the, the culture was an engineering culture um, sometimes caricatured as, in terms of drinking water supply, caricatured as, if it's wet it'll do. <laughs> which was less and less the case. Right. Um, and, yeah, I, I spent, spent a long time trying to, well, not trying to, we did change the culture eventually, but it's a slow process. Mm -hmm. And it was embedded in the way that this emerging water supply situation, because it wasn't called a drought for a very long time, um, the way the emerging water supply situation was being handled. It was being handled behind closed doors, um, in a technical way, without any thought about customers, any potential implications for customers. 
So, did we stop talking about droughts in the 1990s? The local newspapers didn't, but there appears to have been a change to the way information was communicated. I'm looking at an article from the Halifax Courier reporting on the fact that Yorkshire Water intended to apply for a drought order, introducing rotor cuts within 15 days. The headline says it all. Deplorable, it cries. Health chiefs demand probe into Yorkshire Water. The prospect of 24-hour rotor cuts is a great cause of concern to public health teams. The article is placed next to the water company's Water Watch campaign information which is simply a factual update of the water shortage. It says, reservoir levels, yesterday 14.4%, Tuesday 14.6%, Monday 15%. To give readers the sense of the rapidly dropping water levels, I presume. Under that, there is rainfall detail, yesterday, 0mm. Rain for the month, 56.6mm. Then below that, demand, yesterday 53.3 thousand cubic metres, Tuesday 52.1 thousand cubic metres. Do you get the picture? I think it's fairly easy to explain from that what's going on in the water situation. The now infamous tanker drought caused a lot of upset in West Yorkshire, but the facts are that reservoirs in West Yorkshire at the time were small and there was no system in place to easily transfer water from the east, where supplies were plentiful, to the west. Nevertheless, local people were very unforgiving, and local papers were happy to print readers' letters that were in the main critical of the company, alongside the factual and informative Water Watch campaign. In the next podcast, we'll continue looking at how to communicate in a crisis as we take a look at the two-year drought that mainly affected the southeast of England between 2004 and 2006. In the meantime, you can find more references to the 1995 drought from the Yorkshire Post, Halifax Courier and Hebden Bridge Times in the Historic Drought Inventory.